Well, hello. It's 2.05 on this Wednesday edition of the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Hope you're having a, a fantastic Wednesday. Another beautiful day out there if you like these mild winter temperatures. I know a lot of you, though, love the snow as well. You love to be skiing or sledding or whatever it is. And, you know, oftentimes having to go to the mountains right now for that. Not a, not a ton of snow around here. And the, the forecast, as you've heard uh, Eileen talk about, uh, cooling off over the next couple of days, but then warming right back up. Uh, it's Jalen Nye here, Andrew Gross, away this week. He will be back on Monday. Uh, full show today as the Oilers don't not in action again until tomorrow night, taking on uh, the Minnesota Wild. That uh, puck drop, 7 o'clock City Ford Faceoff show will get underway at 5.30. On the show today, some interesting topics, a wide range of topics we have for you this afternoon. We have Alberto Zanato on the phone, or in studio, studio, and you might be wondering who he is. He is from the world-famous Zanato Winery. So we'll talk to him about Italian wines and about what they do there. There. He is in town for an event this evening. Hoping to talk with the folks over at Horse Racing Alberta, obviously, with the announcement today from Northland, some impact there. So we'll dial up Shirley McClellan over there. And then this one, cuddling. People paying people to cuddle. It's growing in popularity right across the country. In fact, there are people in Edmonton that get paid to do that. It's not sex. It's cuddling. So we are going to talk with Marilyn Reed, who founded a place called The Cuddlery, The Cuddlery in Vancouver, but employs people right here in Edmonton. We'll talk to her coming up uh, later on in the show. Now, right now, you've heard us talking about it uh, pretty much all morning. Northland CEO Tim Reed has unveiled details for an ambitious $170 million renovation of its 64-hectare site. The plan is called Vision 2020 and outlines what it would like to see on the grounds that currently house Rexall Place, Northland's racetrack, and the Expo Center. Northland CEO Tim Reed joins now. Hi, Tim. Hi, Jillian. How are you? Good. Big day for you. Uh, how does it feel to finally share it with with Alberta, what the plans are? Well, I think after literally over a year of planning and uh, talking to our stakeholders and our community, it's, it's really nice to be able to share this conversation publicly and most importantly, start the dialogue around what people like and what they don't like and where Northland should go before we finalize Vision 2020. You know what, and, and, and I want to get to that just a little bit later on when you talk about uh, the pub, the public engagement, opening up to public engagement. But right now, if you will indulge me, Tim, can we go piece by piece a little bit through the, the plan and let's start with the transformation of Rexall Place into the Northlands Ice Coliseum. What is the, what is the vision there? I think the vision that we've landed on is that It's a 475,000-square-foot facility that has been bought and paid for long ago by the taxpayers of Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And we actually believe that the structure has great future use in our city. And the idea around it is to transform it into a center of hockey and arena excellence within Canada and to put together a multi-tiered arena complex that would meet the existing arena needs within the city of Edmonton But even more importantly, it would deliver significant tourism opportunity as one of the country's best tournament facilities and really provide economic impact to our neighborhood, 
because it would drive between 1.3 million and 2 million visitors annually to the site. And, you know, it's it's no secret in this city that ice time is a bit of a challenge. So this could possibly go, a little, well, it would go a very long way in, um, in, in helping that, fixing that even. When we went to the public with the arena committee, and, and that, that group of individuals really just volunteered their time on we heard great feedback from the public that 70% of everybody who provided comment, which was 26,000 people, said, don't get rid of the building. It matters to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had great memories. It's the uh, home that Gretzky built and <laughs> dynasty years of the Oilers and uh, curling championships and great events. And so we listened. And we actually think part of the value in this is the, the nostalgia around a great hockey venue and an entertainment venue where you know, the next generation of future stars could develop their skills in this home that Gretzky built and that the Oilers had their dynasty in. So we think it's a really fantastic way to meet existing need in the city, but more importantly to uh, to celebrate a, biz- uh, a, a facility and an organization that's been at the heart of Edmontonians for a long time. At any time was um, demolishing Rexall on the books? Without question, it was. I think what the committee told us is there's just simply not room for two large arena mm-hmm. facilities in the city of Edmonton. Not today. We're just we're not big enough. And what we realized when we looked at demolishing is it was going to cost us $8.1 million to demolish the building. And at that time, where, frankly, our economy was a little bit more rust, robust than it is today, yeah. we could only sell the land for $8.2 million or $8.3 million. Okay. So for $100,000 or $200,000 worth of net win, I think everybody agreed that we had to find a way to repurpose this site. And I think what our board of directors, to their credit, recognized is the future of Rexall Place was never going to generate the earnings that Rexall Place does today. Mm-hmm. But we could simply not let the 1.5 million visitors a year that currently come to Rexall Place not be replaced. Because we truly felt that losing that amount of visitation in our neighborhood would be a, a significant negative and have great social impact in northeastern Edmonton. Yeah, and you think about it, uh, all the people just, you know, you think about the number of people who go up there on a regular basis, whether it's a concert, whether it's the track, whether whatever it is, there's a lot of people who are, are directed in that uh, in that way every day for a different event of some sort, whether it's a, it's a luncheon, it's a dinner, it's a hockey game, it's, you know, going to the tracks, playing the slots, whatever it is, pulling that out. Um, the, the community impact, when you looked at that, must have been really fascinating to see exactly what would happen there, Tim. Well, we have preliminary results, and we've hired an independent economic impact firm to get us the data of what would happen. And, and it concerned us. concerned us greatly as, frankly, a good neighbor in northeastern Edmonton. And, you know, right now we see anywhere from 25 to $3 million visits a year happen mm-hmm. at K-Days. Or, sorry, it happened at uh, Northlands over the course of the year. Obviously, K-Days is a big driver within that. But Rexall Place represents about 50% of those total visits. Yeah. And so we had to do something. What will happen to K-Days, Tim? We've had a number of texts already wanting to know what's going to happen to K-Days. K-Days is really at the cornerstone of who we are. It's where we started over 136 years ago, and I, I think that Northlands has no intentions of parting ways with K-Days. If anything, we think this site enhances it. And throughout the entire planning process, we were very, very direct with our designers in making sure that K-Days would fit on the site and on the ground. And so what we actually think is... The concept around the Northlands Urban Festival and event site will only make the KD's entertainment experience that much bigger and bolder and better. But 
we also know without question that K-Days is going to stay, and more importantly, that it fits in every one of the designs that we've proposed. have to throw this one out at you as well, and I think I know the answer. Is it, okay, well, what happens to CFR? Does that go downtown? We've been working very closely with the City of Edmonton and Oilers Entertainment Group and Tourism to try to secure an extension of the existing partnership that Northlands has with the Canadian, with the CPRA. And so we have one more year here at Northlands, okay. and we're looking forward to a fantastic CFR 43, mm-hmm. and which we believe will be our last year of hosting okay. that event. And so hopefully uh, OEG, who is leading the process in conjunction with the City of Edmonton, can renew the a multi-year deal with uh, CPRA to keep CFR here. We've committed that we'll do everything we possibly can to keep that event. I mean, we've invested 43 years in it. And it belongs in Edmonton, and it's great for this city. Sure so we hate to see it lose its connection to the city of Edmonton. Uh, we know that it won't happen at Rexall Place going forward, but we certainly would like to be a part of it, and we're great supporters of keeping that in the city. Tim Reed, the CEO at Northlands, joining me on the phone this afternoon, talking about Vision 2020, what the proposal is for that whole area, Rexel Place, Northlands Racetrack, and the Expo Centre. One of the other things that's being proposed, being suggested, Tim, is this development of an urban festival site at, at Northlands, um, able to host mega concerts. Give us details about that one. I think as we started to look at what we were losing at Rexall Place, what we realized is we've been one of the strongest entertainment providers in all of Canada. And Northlands has a rich history of delivering first-class and world-class entertainment experiences. As we looked to the south side of our campus and we looked at the future of racing, what we realized is it sits on 52 acres of absolutely prime real estate on our campus. And it was a very difficult decision because we've been in the horse racing business since 1957. And we've built the horse racing business in a lot of ways with our partners and with um, our leaders at HRA. And so, unfortunately, when we looked at the future of horse racing, we looked at the impact of losing Lexall Place, we had to make a decision to revitalize that part of our property. And the idea around it is we know that the festival market globally is booming. Uh, We've seen that right here in Edmonton with some of the large stadium shows that we've seen going to Commonwealth Place. But people that attend festivals really do want an experience. They want something that is classic in their festival approach, somewhat more organic because they want to be out on public space in a natural setting. But if you're going to receive large-scale events, then you need to have the right infrastructure. What we realized is that we already had it in the fact that Northlands Park is all arranged, already set up with seating and suites and premium experiences. We just needed to reimagine that a little bit. So the idea that we put together is is really a a, a very large event site that could host the Cirque du Soleil's or the Cavalias or augment what we do right now with K-Days or perhaps provide a landing place for festivals in our city that are just outgrowing their existing space. Okay, so we'll be looking at more festival types, because when you look at, like, Commonwealth, Harlech Park, Gallagher Park, Churchill Square, all of those things, my question is, who do you see as your customers for that? I think what what we've always suggested is our biggest customers are those festivals that outgrow their space. We know that we have limited capacity, and we know that we have transit and parking challenges around many of the sites. The opportunity that we have to provide here is directly on an LRT line. Currently, we have almost 7,000 parking stalls. And so we set up really well to be a great place 
to deal with mass amounts of people. And frankly, we do it every single year at K-Days, which is the largest festival in our city. What we believe is there's some festivals that will, will stay in their existing sites forever, and they should, because the, the festival site is as much a part of the, the experience of that festival as the entertainment that they choose to provide. But we also believe that as our city grows, uh, some of our festivals will grow their spaces. And if we build a location that meets their needs and the growing needs of the festival community, we'll be able to encourage large, large concerts to come to Edmonton, but we'll also be able to meet the needs of the local festival producers. Tim, you talked talked about uh, those 7,000 parking spots, and we all know that parking can be, you know, it can be a pain in the butt at times, depending on where you are, where you're trying to get to, and all that sort of thing. But will the same number remain? Will we still have those 7,000 parking spots if this all goes ahead? Well, certainly what we've been able to share today is the development around the Northland Ice Coliseum, development around Hall D, and the development around the festival site. So we think that those would be catalyst projects for additional change around campus. So I actually believe you're going to see new commercial, residential, perhaps retail opportunities that will show interest in the development around the Northland campus and our neighborhood. So I can't guarantee that they're going to stay. But in the design that we shared today, um, parking isn't touched. It's not impacted at all. And I think we as Northlands have always recognized that parking is one of our real value drivers that we offer to the city. The the discussion between uh, your organization and the folks over at Horse Racing uh, Alberta must have been difficult. Uh, it, never easy. And to the credit of their, their chair, Rick Lalisher, who is a, a longtime Edmontonian, and he, he and I met early on on my tenure here with Northlands, and and he was quite pointed. He said, Tim, we just want to know the truth. Northlands has, has not been committed to a long-term agreement with the industry. Where do we stand? And mm-hmm. uh, within weeks of our board of directors telling us that we were going to move in a new direction and supporting the recommendations that we as management provided, I sat down with Rick and I said, this is where we're going to go. And so it wasn't easy at all. But what I can say is uh, HRA have been absolute professionals through this. And I think we as Northlands have been fully transparent and disclosed information as soon as we can. We want to do everything to make sure that this transition supports horse racing Alberta um, because we want to make sure they're successful in the future. One of the other things that uh, is on on this uh, plan is uh, refurbishing the Expo Center's uh, Hall D into a 5,000-seat space for smaller concert and sporting venues, uh, which sounds great. There's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, the smaller concert venues, that we could use a place like that uh, in Edmonton. There is possibility, you mentioned today, I believe, that there could be hotels in the area at some point. It's not a part of this master plan, plan, but it is something that is a possibility, Tim? Well, I think the real key that we have to show as Northlands, and I think that we have to show as the city of Edmonton, is that we're willing to invest in this site. And um, when I say the city of Edmonton, I mean Edmontonians, because if we believe that we want to activate this site, what we do know is with the proposed facilities and the projects that we've suggested um, and the analytics around what those facilities will contribute in terms of visitation, that the dialogue in the hotel industry is there's not one hotel that would like to happen, but there's actually two. Mm-hmm. But none of those things can happen if we can't guarantee the visitation and the utilization of the site. So in a lot of ways, we've described these as catalyst projects or cornerstone program, projects, and they're really that. I think if we can show that we want to invest in the future of Northlands, I, I do believe that there is significant provi- private investment that would want to happen not only on our site, but in the adjacent area. A $170 million plan. Where's the cash come from to pay for all of this? 
Well, as we sit today, I think we just need to make sure, A, that the idea is right. And if the idea is wrong, then we'll, we won't have any success in finding dollars. But I think there's a blend. I think we need to approach the federal government with an opportunity to participate. I certainly think we need to approach the provincial government. And I think we have to talk about our city. And so, in our view, various levels of government have an opportunity, and this fits many of their funding objectives in terms of diversification, creation of new jobs, and uh, additional value drivers for the economy. But coming back to the piece that I mentioned earlier, I do genuinely believe that, that there is private interest in the investment in northeastern Edmonton and the land and, the, and in each of these projects. We just have to make sure they're the right idea for the city of Edmonton and Edmontonians. So what happens next, Tim? I mean, we've laid out the plan. You've talked earlier about uh, this being a kickoff to public engagement. Obviously, you know, we need to get uh, approval, I guess, from the city, find the cash. Where does it go from here? So I think where we go from here is, is we start talking about this, and we really appreciate the work you and the media have done today at getting the message out, because people actually need to share their thoughts and comments. Um, we were asked to develop a plan, and I think to the credit of our board of directors and our team, they came up with a great plan. That doesn't necessarily mean that we haven't overlooked something. And so what we want to hear from Edmontonians is we want their feedback on what they like and what they don't like. We have a council date set for March the 15th, okay. where we intend to go back to Marin Council and say, this is our idea, this is the feedback, and we should think you should consider uh, advancing in this direction, or quite frankly, the public said that they're not interested and we think we need to work on a revised strategy. So where we go is I think we facilitate a conversation over the next three or four weeks. And then I think ultimately we go back to council and share what the public has thought about our idea and see if there's an appetite to redevelop this part of northeastern Edmonton. I mean, obviously you have to be very hopeful that people and the city are going to give the thumbs up to this. It's been, it's been, you know, well over a year that you've been working towards this. And I'm guessing that as, you know, Rexall empties and, and uh, the team moves, the, other, the Oilers move downtown, you don't want that building sitting empty and that property with nothing going on. Well, as we expressed today in our, in our press conference, and I think Mayor Iveson did a brilliant job of really speaking to a, a moment in time where everybody's thinking changed is we've seen what happens in other cities if you don't do anything yeah. with your previously existing infrastructure. And, and that's not good for anybody. That's not good for Northlands, and that's not good for Northeastern Edmonton. That's just not good for our city. And so I, I think if there's one common thread through all of this is that doing nothing is the worst thing that we could do. And so uh, we're optimistic that the conversations that we've had over the last year and the, the stakeholders that we've engaged have given us feedback so that we've made a lot of the right decisions. But I think we're not also not naive enough to believe that everything that we've suggested today is right. Okay. And so this is about getting it right because Northland's been around for 137 years and we want to make sure we're around for the next century. Tim, I'm sure you have a zillion uh, more interviews to do this afternoon, but a couple more questions coming in from my text line from my listeners. You know, we touched on uh, CFR and K-Days. People want to know, people want to know what happens to Farm Fair and the Farm and Ranch show in the spring. A lot of of questions from, you know, our our farmers and our egg producers out there. What's going to happen there? Same thing, more discussions, or is it off the the table? Actually, I I would be quite pointed that Northland started as an agriculture and we have always celebrated our heritage in agriculture, and we have no intentions of walking away from some of those core properties. Although CFR may travel downtown, uh, we believe that Farm Fair is one of, if not the strongest products that we as Northlands okay. operate today. The strength within the agriculture industry 
and the interest within global markets in Alberta genetics has never been stronger. And so with, with absolute conviction, I can tell the listeners that we intend to celebrate our agriculture heritage. We intend to stay a champion for Alberta agriculture and farm fair. If anything, we'll continue to grow as we move forward. Tim Reed. Going to the future, Sorry, I do think we need to find new agriculture products such as farm and ranch, but we'll remain convicted uh, in our in our definition of agriculture, and we don't intend to waver from that. Tim Reed, the uh, CEO of Northlands, joining me this afternoon. Tim, I appreciate you taking so much time this afternoon to talk to our listeners, and uh, look forward to see what happens next. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. We look forward to the feedback. Okay, take care. Tim Reed joining us on the phone this afternoon. It's 2.26 on the 6.30 Chat Afternoon News. Thank you for all of your texts coming in at 6.30, 6.30. Um, you can always get a hold of me at 4960063. Now, we are changing topics just briefly uh, after uh, after the 2.30 news, but we'll come back around to this uh, come 3 o'clock. So I'm really curious to know what you think. A lot of you had questions, and I saw from texts earlier people saying, okay, you know what, you're giving up on, on, the, on the farming industry, you're giving up on the, on the the egg industry really some of those cornerstones but you heard Tim Reed saying today that um, you know the commitment to with you know absolute conviction the, the commitment to farm fair is there a CFR the possibility of it is real that it would be going downtown they're in negotiations they have one more year on the contract K-Days will remain at Northlands as well let me know what you think we'll get around to talking a little bit more about that coming up after the 2:30 news Andrew is away until Monday. It's Jay Lynn flying solo this afternoon. Thanks to Tim Reed, the CEO of Northlands, for joining us uh, in that last half hour talking about Vision 2020, the plan for um, Rexall Place uh, after the Oilers move out and the Northlands grounds. Uh, just so you know, thank you for all of your texts coming in so far at 6.30, We're going to get back to this conversation uh, coming up uh, just before 3 and after 3. We will talk with uh, Shirley McClellan, who's the Executive Director uh, well, the Chief Executive Officer over at Horse Racing Alberta just after 3 o'clock. Uh, the racetrack going to be gone in this new proposal, so we're going to get her take on it. Then I want to hear more from you. Lots of texts coming in. We'll have some open line time uh, for, for your comments and uh, your thoughts on this. Uh, right now, I want to switch gears. And I've, saw, I've seen this story a couple of times now, and it's been fascinating to me. It's a uh, paid cuddling services. It's on the rise across the country. And that, that's right. I said paid cuddling services. It isn't sex. It's cuddling. People looking for human connection without sex. Marilyn Reed uh, founded the Cuddlery in Vancouver more than a year ago. Great name. As she now has cuddlers employed right across the country, including Edmonton. She joins us now. Hi, Marilyn. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Tell us how all of this started. Uh, in fact, it's about six years ago. I was uh, studying to become a lawyer, and I thought um, we really needed real connection, like genuine connection. And uh, so sometimes when I was needing affection, I wanted to have it, like just a good cuddle to relax. And it's just really hard to get. <laughs> um, so I turned to online dating and trying just to write like cuddlers only and I thought if only that service could exist. And so that's why I founded the first cuddling company afterwards all in right. Canada. So you were in law school, you were stressed out, and I think all of us can appreciate a, a good cuddle or a good you know, hug, that, that connection. What is it that you think um, is about a, a cuddle that uh, makes people feel better, Marilyn? 
It's not what I feel, actually. There's studies and researchers have shown that we need touch, like even in monkeys. Yeah. Uh, monkeys that were not touched were having like more aggressive behaviors, self-mutilation. Like, so it's really needed inside us, our primal self. <laughs> so uh, in North American, we just don't touch enough. And uh, so skin to skin, like just a gentle touch, release oxytocin, uh, so it decreases stress, and it has a lot of physical benefits. So a lot of studies are there to show it. And uh, before I started, I was like, so if so many people need it, how come it's not more popular? <laughs> and I think it's just something to do with fear. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what, it's probably a an odd thing for people to think about is, you know, going online looking for a... Uh, a cuddle place and maybe you know feeling comfortable enough to call and then to cuddle really with with a stranger before we get to that i want to just go back a little bit you said you tried to find cuddle friends online i can't even imagine marilyn how that went <laughs> i mean it can't possibly have been a good thing Exactly. One thing that I'm really glad with the cuddlery is that at least the boundaries are really clear. Uh, oftentimes when two people meet, it's really hard to say, you know what, this is what is allowed, this is what is not allowed. So I think that's why the cuddling uh, industry is such a great place, because the boundaries are fixed and people can feel comfortable to say, well, you know what, I know I will be respected in that time. Okay, let's but this being said, when I say people know, um, I must admit that all our clients feel really anxious before coming to see us. They were like, oh, my God, <laughs> will I really be cuddling with a stranger? <laughs> and in the first five minutes, they find out, oh, actually, it really feels good and it really feels natural. So it's really, uh, and that's why for all the people that are on the fence of going, I'm like, just try it, and you'll see that it's really natural to cuddle a stranger. Well, not everyone, of course. <laughs> not every stranger. We really filter them uh, really well. Okay, well, let's let's talk about that. How how does this work? How does one cuddle with uh, one of your employees? How, tell us the process. Well, you go on the website and uh, you pick a cuddler. Uh, unfortunately, in Edmonton, we only have one because. Even if we had more than 100 applications up to now, like I said, we really filter okay. um, quite well. So please do apply. We need more, more cuddlers in Edmonton. And um, then we look. Um, so they apply. They say to the cuddler, this is the one I want. And in the next 48 hours, they receive a phone call. They fix an appointment. And then because the majority of people don't know what is a good cuddle, uh, we just suggest them what we'll do. So usually we have four or five different cuddling positions, which will differ depending what the person wants. So if they want affection, support, or well-being, we won't cuddle in the same way. And um, so, yeah, afterwards, and of course, before doing that, we talk to them how it's really important that they feel that it's, uh, their boundaries are respected, that if they have preferences, they can tell us. And uh, But we usually lead the way because, like I said, people don't know what is supposed to be a good cuddle. So we're there to show them. Uh, and clothes are on for this. Yes, always. Uh, there's no nudity. Uh, we offer a service at the cutlery that is called skin to skin to refer to studies uh, done on babies. Because the more you have skin contact, better it is. But we still keep shorts and uh, sporty stuff. Okay, so there's no there's no full nakedness going on here or anything Never. like that. And the services are, are strictly platonic. And uh, from what I've been reading, how do you how do you ensure that they stay that way? And have you ever had challenges with maybe people getting a little too gropey, actually thinking that this is a sex service? 
we really make it clear when we call on the phone. And then we have a warning protocol, like a protocol, safety protocol. And after the first warning, like I said, everything is clear. So if someone, for example, they touch where underwears are covering, which, which they're not supposed to, if it's really flagrant, this is a big offense, so we can leave the session right away. If it's just like not on purpose, we give a first warning. And at the third one, they know that we're leaving. And I can say uh, in the year already, year and, and a little bit more that we've been uh, practicing, we only had three clients that got up to those three warnings. Okay. All righty. How much, how much does this, something like this cost? For one hour is about $85. Uh, so depending which option you have, uh, then uh, we can have consistent as uh, $30 more. Yeah. But for us, because it's so important and we understand that it's a need, uh, for everyone with uh, disabilities or really in need of support, like in crisis, they just need a shoulder to cry on, we offer 30% discount. Oh, wow. Now, how many clients have you have you had? I mean, you have employees right, ac- right across the country. Um, are you busy? Um, currently, there's no colors that are doing this full-time because okay. there's a lot of competitors that I've started. As for myself, I'm doing like a lot of administration, so I try to keep clients to keep uh, going on because this is one of the best <laughs> jobs you can have yeah. to see someone. Um, because you see the difference when they're coming in and then the, when they're leaving, they seem so much happier, and the comments that we have is really great. So I try to keep clients even despite the big administrative um, hurdle that I have. Okay, but you're getting you're getting work doing this on a, on a regular basis by the sounds of it. Otherwise, it wouldn't still be going. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, who are your clients, Marilyn? Who are your clients? So is it male, female, young, um, old, students, that's elderly? The beauty of it. Um, it it covers everyone. I'm always surprised. Sometimes you, you're like, oh, why are you coming? <laughs> and in fact, there's um, people from every different background. It can be the businessman who's too busy to date. It can be uh, someone who lost their partners, their life partners. Uh, It can be uh, just a woman who has been abused and she wants to learn how to touch again with uh, in a safe environment. So up to now we have had more men than women, Uh, but I think in the future it will change when uh, women will understand that it's really an empowering way to have a section without um, having to go through sex encounters if they don't want to. Because let's face it nowadays, a lot of women, when they need to have a section and if they're single, they call an ex, they go in a bar, even if just what they wanted is them. Um, is a little affection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there can be a difference. Uh, well, there's a big difference, Marilyn. Ab- absolutely. Do you believe um, the the advances in technology and social media and the fact that we have, you know, these devices in our hands all the time, checking the internet, doing this, um, and, and not talking to people necessarily as much face to face in person, is is making businesses like yours more and more popular? I think it must definitely be a factor, but I think we're in a changing period. So if you look at only 50 years ago, everyone were getting married, everyone, so they had uh, in their family, they could have a safe space to cuddle. But now in, um, now we have, it's 
eclectic. Like everything is exploding. People don't know necessarily. And we're still a puritanic society. So a lot of people, like I said, are lacking touch and they don't know where to get it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why. And moreover, I think we're, uh, we're getting involved enough to know that um, touching a stranger is okay if we need affection. It's totally fine. So I think both of them, we're a good time, and that's why cuddling is booming everywhere. Well, I think it, it might be totally fine as long as everybody knows the parameters, obviously, which is, you know, what happens in a business like yours. You know that this is these are the rules, this is what happens, all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It, did you... And if I can say, uh, thank you very much for this segue, because if I can say, really look for the cuddling, into the cuddling company you're into. I know that a lot of them are not necessarily supervising, and I had some clients that said, you know, I went to this one, and actually, they just, it's a facade for prostitution. They just want to push you to have sex. And so it's really important that you look into the cuddling company you're going. Marilyn, we had talked about security and all that sort of stuff earlier. Did you mention, are, are, are these sessions, cuddling sessions, videotaped um, just in case? Uh, usually they are, um, but a lot of people thought it was too uh, intimate. So now we offer them the possibility not to be filmed if they meet the cuddler before, they explain the reasons, and uh, the cuddler feels safe. But they can uh, they can ask, they can refuse the client as if it's filmed. The idea is taken, and like this, uh, usually the the sessions is safe for everyone. So we really recommend it to to film it's yeah. uh, because as i think that cuddling uh to be great it needs uh, people need to feel safe in it yeah, and okay. uh filming is one way that the cuddler and the person feels that it's really uh safe and uh the cuddlery really make a big effort for confidentiality so we race uh the video two weeks afterwards it's encrypted so we really try uh to both have a middle ground between safety and confidentiality. There's, uh, you know, the one-on-one cuddling, but I've also read that there's such thing as cuddling parties. Indeed, yeah. I am. Um, I, I do also cuddle groups. Uh, they they're called uh, cuddle parties, snuggle parties, uh, cuddle puddles. So there's plenty of names, and it's two different avenues. And some people feel more comfortable one to one. Because, like I said, there's confidentiality. You can show more your, uh, if you need more affection and intimacy, one-on-one is maybe better. Mm-hmm. But if you need uh, cuddle groups, it's more for people who need, like, it's more social. Okay. So if you prefer that, and it's really safe because there's so many witnesses, but there's less confidentiality. Some people go there, and it costs less, of course, and they can meet uh, cuddle buddies there. So hmm. both are really a good avenue to, uh, but it's two different uh, needs. Yeah, and you know, I just, yeah, I just can't get my head uh, 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 past kind of some of the safety issues, uh, Marilyn. I just, I guess, in the back of my head, I would just worried about, I would worry about safety. That's all. And I know you say you screen everyone really, really well, um, but I guess that yeah, it would, it would be difficult. I think maybe for some people to get past that. Uh, to, to be clear, uh, we, uh, we looked for criminal checks for our cuddlers. Uh, this being said, um, I think as a woman, unfortunately, we're never safe 100%. <laughs> and I think that uh, the cuddlery is way safer than online dating. Like I said, online dating, the boundaries are not clear. And uh, the majority of people, they're good people. They, just, they don't want to be. Yeah. Uh, and especially if we have their ID and they know that they they can be uh, prosecuted, yeah. uh, people have a tendency to behave well. Mm-hmm. And 
this has been my experience. And honestly, I've met the most wonderful people in the world. And the connection that I have shared in that period of time, it's wonderful. Like, you think that people are strangers and it's fake intimacy. But when two people accept to be vulnerable and open to each other, um, it's beautiful. Mm. Now, now, what about uh, at the end of it all? Um, do you have? Do most people come for one time, or do they come for months and then find someone else uh, to cuddle with? Maybe get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or you know, another partner. And, mm-hmm. and I'm curious. The majority of people are repeated customers. Yeah. Um, so I think it shows that we're doing a really good job. Uh, a lot of them are coming, uh, for example, in time of support in great need. Uh, some people, what I, I think one thing that I've been really proud of is, for example, I had clients who didn't have girlfriends mm-hmm. or boyfriends in ages, and they came to see us, and then they stopped our, um, our meetings because they finally met someone. Well. So I think it gave them the confidence to how to act with someone, how to touch, and I think that that's beautiful. Very nice. Marilyn Reed, the founder of The Cuddlery, um, based out of Vancouver, but um, has cuddlers across the country, including uh, here in Edmonton. She was saying that there's been about 100 people that have applied. Uh, Only one who's working uh, here in Edmonton right now, but the website is cuddlery.ca, so that's C-U-D-D-L-E-R-Y.ca. You can follow them on Twitter as well, at The Cuddlery. Marilyn Reed, thank you so much for joining us and and explaining this, because I think some people are probably thinking, oh, I'm not so sure about this sort of stuff, but you did a really good job explaining it, and I appreciate that. Thank you. And if I may add quickly, um, if you don't trust, a lot of people think sex and cuddling like always go together. Try at least one hour, no sexual cuddling, and you'll see it's a totally different experience, and it's so much more relaxing. Mm -hmm. And finally, if you want to go on the website and try to fill application, wait just one week. We have trouble right now, technical difficulty with (laughs) Valentine's Day. We were overflowed. (laughs) Thank you very much. Oh, Marilyn, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Have a good day. Okay, it's 2.50. Marilyn Reed, who uh, was in law school, who was stressed out, wanted to find somebody just to cuddle with, went online. Well, you can imagine how well that turned out. So instead, she started up her own business called The Cuddlery, which is non-sexual, clothes on, but, uh, you know, being there like a cuddle bunny for somebody. And if you need help, you want to cuddle, you go see them. Uh, There's a number of these businesses that have uh, popped up across the country. Again, this one, the Cuddlery in uh, Vancouver. Interesting. So what would you think about that? Hey, paying somebody to go cuddle with. Oh, no. Um, again, I, as I said to her, I, in the back of my head, I'm a little worried about creepiness, awkwardness, safety. She says she does a lot of you know, criminal background checks, all that sort of stuff. A hundred people in Edmonton, she said, uh, have applied to be cuddlers. Only one have been, one, one's been hired. Uh, some people wondering about the website, uh, the name of the business called the Cuddlery, like Cuddlery, Cuddlery, dot, uh, what was it? Cuddlery dot... CA. You can check it out there. $85 for an hour. You know, some people are doing this. A lot of people are obviously doing this. There's, there's, she's not the only one. She's not the only business like this that has uh, popped up 
across the country. Uh, your thoughts on this from Red Deer? Okay, that's a little out there. From Sean, just get in a crowded elevator. It's no le- <laughs> no less creepy. No less creepy. Uh, I had one eyebrow up the entire bit. But then there's this one. Thank you for bringing her on. I have been single now for years and I wouldn't mind giving this a try. And that is the one thing that Marilyn had said about, you know, some people who've been single maybe for a very long time, maybe have been in difficult relationships prior and need to find how to be um, affectionate again and and physical in a non-sexual way with someone. Um, maybe your partner has has died and you just want to cuddle. You just want to cuddle. You don't want all the rest of it that goes with it. You just want to cuddle. Um, again, yeah, I like that one. Thank you. That's the, uh, the coolest thing that I've heard. Um, this one says, my girlfriend would have a big issue if I cuddled with another lady. Well, I'm, I'm guessing that you wouldn't need to cuddle with someone else if you had a girlfriend. Craig says, I think that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If you want to cuddle, Get a cat. 6.30, 6.30, your text coming in this afternoon. Um, sorry, that's just not progressive, says someone. Another one says, come on, cuddling could really quickly escalate into something else. And there's the warning system that she talked about on this one. Is kissing included? No, it's not intimate. This is just cuddling. And then someone else says, Awkward. Sarah says, Jay, I believe I read that cuddling increases serotonin, which helps people relax. Interesting. Again, cuddlery.ca. Uh, the 3 o'clock news up next on the flip side. Uh, Shirley McClellan, the chief executive officer of Horse Racing Alberta, will join us talk uh, talk more about that Northlands announcement.